by nature, I'm a very selfish person. My wife is not. So the question, how can I be more like her? Um, how can I be more like that person that is more happy about their friend's achievement than their own? salt of the earth but if salt has lost its taste how shall its saltiness be restored it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet welcome to discipleship conditioning glad that you're here i feel like i you know how you you sound different to yourself than you sound to other people and boy the podcast has been a humbling experience with that um, listening to myself because I sound different through speakers than I do uh, from voice inside my own skull to my own ears. And I've been under the weather the last few weeks. And if you listen to Monday's podcast, Biblical Anatomy, I think I sound pretty rough there, unfortunately. And I think I'm doing a little bit better, but um, in my head, I feel like I sound like, sound like uh, I think it's Sam Elliott. Uh, that real deep voice actor. Um, luckily, when I play back and I listen to myself, I don't actually sound like that. So what you're hearing is different, but that's what I sound like in my own head. But uh, but I am doing better. Um, a little bit of a scratchy throat still and all that stuff, but uh, I am doing better. Appreciate the prayers. We've been praying every night uh, for this to pass through us and and to be on the track for health and uh, restoration of health. So we're excited to be with you and continue on with our Bible study here. We have Matthew chapter 5 is the focus. Um, I thought about splitting this into two weeks because there's so much depth with the Beatitudes. Uh, But eventually we'll come back around and hit Matthew 5 again. And when we do, uh, we can have a unique spin based on that. Uh, date and time. So as always, I'm going to speak to my experience and speak to what these verses are saying to me currently. And so much of what I state, uh, whether it's advice or or other, uh, is oftentimes to myself and what I need to hear. And uh, I make an assumption that uh, my fellow man needs to hear it as well. If you're unaware of our other show on Monday's Biblical Anatomy, we're focused on connecting anatomy and physiology with the Bible, hence the term biblical anatomy, and helping those college freshmen that are really struggling with anatomy and physiology and those certain sticking points. Uh, We'd appreciate your support and subscription to that show or reference to that show for someone you may know that's a college freshman in anatomy and physiology, or perhaps even a college uh, sophomore, junior, senior, or maybe even a high school junior or senior. Uh, as those courses exist more and more there. And here we appreciate your support as well. Uh, We can't keep this show going if we don't have some sort of uh, support with this. So I'll talk more to that a little bit later. But um, in order to keep the production of all this going, uh, things need to head in a certain direction. And so we ask for your support. And that can come in many different forms. In reading Matthew 5, 
That is our focus, our deep dive. And our focus is always to bring together Christians who strive to follow the light of God over the darkness of this world, to renew our mindsets through shared experience and discipleship so we can better love the Lord our God following his commandments. The first verse in Matthew 5 that I'd like to focus on is Matthew 5, 5. It's one of the Beatitudes, probably my favorite. It says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Matthew 5, 5. Meek is an interesting word uh, to me. I think there's a really negative connotation associated with it. Uh, But if you look it up, it does mean gentle, which I think is where the negative connotation um, comes from, but also a quiet strength. Jesus himself was very meek in a very positive way. Uh, I lean on my ESV Bible and my study Bible often, and there's some uh, additional information there. Uh, What's the word I'm trying to think of? Not concordance, but uh, commentary. And uh, so I often reference the commentary when I need a definition or I don't understand something. And they describe someone who's uh, meek as someone who's not following their own agenda and more specifically trying to push that agenda onto others. I'd like to add to that those that are focused on serving others first. Which brings an interesting question which is super applicable for me. By nature, I'm a very selfish person. My wife is not. So the question, how can I be more like her? Um, How can I be more like that person that is more happy about their friend's achievement than their own? Which reminds me of a story that I heard just last night in reference to 9-11, which has just passed. And it's a story of Wells Crowther, the man in the red bandana. You may or may not be familiar with that. I'll kind of tell the story a little bit later. Then we get into Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. To me, this one's pretty straightforward, uh, but super impactful. If you show mercy to others, you will have mercy shown to you. Got a knock on the door uh, about a month ago. An older gentleman knocked on my door, opened the door, and he said, Hey, sorry, I, I hit your car. And I thought, hit my car, like I wasn't driving, I, my car's in the driveway. And then I remembered that I put the car out on the, uh, out on the sidewalk, out in front of the house. And uh, he was turning around, I guess, and had backed into it. And uh, I was pretty frustrated, as most people I think would be. I walked out there, damage was minimal, I couldn't notice much. Um, If you know anything about me, I'm very anti-insurance. I think it's uh, a crock. I think that uh, insurance is legal theft in so many different ways. Um, And so more often than not, if I have to deal with insurance, I do my best not to deal with insurance because they work harder to not service you from my experience than they do to actually help you despite the thousands of dollars you've paid to them over the years. And so um, haven't had good experiences with insurance, and so certainly that was in my mind as well. But the, the damage was minimal, something that I could take care of myself. And so in that moment in time, I showed the guy mercy. Um, now, I wasn't thinking of, of Matthew 5, 7 in this instance. Um, I just felt like, one, it was the right thing to do. Two, 
I just frankly didn't really want to deal with insurance at that point in time or put this guy through having to deal with insurance over something that was so minor. The collision took place at probably 1.2 miles an hour. It wasn't significant and so I kind of let the guy off the hook. And he was so elated and he's like, you're such a good man. And I thought that was weird for him to tell me that I was a good man, like he has the authority to tell me that I'm good or bad. But, um, but the point is, he was just so elated that I was letting him off the hook and that he could take, uh, take off at that point in time. And so um, hopefully that mercy will be shown to me in an instance when I'm in the wrong. And uh, you never know when that time will come, but thankful for that opportunity. I'm the type that I'd always rather have people indebted to me than me be indebted to them. There's probably something wrong there and something that I need to iron out. It's probably not a healthy uh, train of thought there. But the point is, I don't want to be indebted to anyone. And so I can let it go if somebody owes me money. Um, but I can't let it go if I owe somebody else money. It's just, just the way that I'm wired. Then we have Matthew 5.18. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. This is extraordinarily impactful. And even though I've read through Matthew 5 numerous times over the past week and, and many times prior to that, this one struck me different uh, today. And I, again, I'm not a theologian. I'm not a biblical scholar, so I'm not going to get too much into the minutia, too deep into the weeds here. But you hear a lot of people say, you know, with tattoos and stuff like that, that they they recognize that the Old Testament says you shouldn't get tattoos, even though it doesn't directly say that. But then they talk about things that have been fulfilled through Jesus and what's applicable and what's not applicable. In the verse prior to this, Jesus says that he's not here to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And I don't think I've ever slowed down and really ingested Matthew 5.18 the way that I have today. Here to me, he's saying that the Old Testament is just as applicable as it ever is. And yes, there's fulfillment that he's done based on our stance in this time of 2023. But there's things that haven't been fulfilled. And he says, until heaven and earth pass away. So that, that makes me question some things. It makes me uncomfortable. I have tattoos myself. It makes me wonder... Am I in the wrong of getting tattoos? I, I plan in a few weeks to get a tattoo of uh, my newest daughter's footprints. And wife is pregnant again. And so whatever boy or girl that may be, I'd like to get their footprint and handprint tattooed on the same arm. And I, I don't have a bad heart in that. But I haven't had a lot of clarity in terms of what to follow in the Old Testament versus what to follow in the New Testament. And here, it's pretty pretty obvious, I think. Matthew 5.18, again, I'll read it. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So heaven and earth pass away, not all has been accomplished. We're not there yet, clearly. Uh, so this, this gives me a lot to think about. Um, so often I think this podcast seems is is uh as though i'm preaching but this is a message that i'm going to marinate on that i need to think about uh, myself 
Now, a few fun facts that you get with commentary when you look this verse up is the word iota, which is a fun word to say. Iota represents the smallest Greek letter in the Greek alphabet, similar to how yod represents the smallest letter in the Hebrew al alphabet. And then directly after it says not a dot, which we would recognize as dot com or a period, which would be the smallest grammatical influence in the English language. So kind of neat way to kind of connect uh, things here and express the magnitude of everything no matter how minuscule it seems so certainly tattoos would fall into into this and i it's something that i need to think about myself not just with tattoos but with a number of things and i have to ask myself what has been fulfilled what do we no longer do from the old testament because it's been fulfilled well sacrifices would certainly be one right um, jesus was the greatest sacrifice ever there's no need to sacrifice from this point forward and in my opinion, be insulting to him to do so or to discredit his sacrifice to continue doing that. But then also the question, what is left to be fulfilled? And that's certainly going to take years and years and years of Bible study on my part and your part as well to answer that question and, and determine uh, what, what we are to do. And of course, doing so with a pure heart. Beatitudes talks about that to those of pure heart. So doing so with a pure heart so that when we do find that our stance on something is wrong, it's not that we were wrong and we were just blatantly wrong. It's that we are wrong, but we're pure of heart and we're coming from the right place. And so we're easily influenced by truth to change our stance, which indicates that there was never a heart issue in the first place. Then we go on to Matthew 5, 23 through 24. So if you are suffering, excuse me, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Being completely honest, I don't know that I've achieved the depth necessary in this for full understanding but i believe what it's getting at is essentially keeping things in perspective and not to be hypocritical not to bear a gift but bear it to someone that you haven't reconciled with or pray to god as if everything is okay but you haven't removed the speck or the log from your own eye and you haven't reconciled with a family member um that's my interpretation of it. Again, not that that's the point interpretation on my behalf, but based from my experience, I can certainly think of a few individuals in my life who I haven't reconciled with. And so based on this verse, and in my heart I feel it as well, how hypocritical am I being trying to live in good light with God, but ignoring that, ignoring that reconciliation that needs to occur and that repair of relationship that needs to occur. This is, this is why Matthew 5 is so impactful and could easily be two, three, four, five different episodes. And, and I hope you're taking as much as I am from it because I've got some work to do. Certainly do. So for kind of my story here, the two things that I'd like to focus on are, are interesting. And it's all focused on believing the lie. 
I've struggled recently big time with believing the lie. My mom left when I was 11, and in that moment in time, there was a lie that was chirped into my head that if your own mother doesn't love you, nobody can love you. And I've believed that for the last 27 years. Um, and, I'm, and I'm continually, daily trying to unwrite that lie, and I'm doing so with battling with truth with Scripture, because nowhere in Scripture does it say that if your mother decides to leave, you're not valuable. It doesn't say that at all. In fact, in the Beatitudes, it says, Blessed are those who mourn. I've mourned quite a bit since losing my mother and not losing my mother in a sense that she's passed away, but that she's decided not to be a part of my life. So, with that, how can we use Matthew 5 and the Bible as a whole to reject the lies that we've been told? What's your lie? What's the big belief that the devil has tricked you into believing? And what does scripture say with that? You know, in most Bibles, you can flip to the back and there's sort of this mini concordance where you can look up a term like a lie or anger or betrayal, anything that's on your heart, and it'll tell you exactly what verses to go through. So I challenge you to do that. Open up your Bible, assess what's on your heart, pray about it, come up with a term that's representative of what you're feeling, look that up in the back of your Bible, or if you want to go to any of your greater length, greater length, look at a full concordance, like a Strong's concordance. Look that up in your Bible and meditate and pray on what's written as truth. Now, two stories that are kind of, first one's kind of comical. Second one is a tearjerker for sure. Um, the first one is August Burns Red. They're one of my favorite bands. They've been my second favorite band for the last probably 15 years. Between the Buried and Me is my favorite band, if you're curious. And uh, most people don't enjoy that kind of music. It's progressive metal. And it's easier to understand the drums and the guitar as opposed to the vocals. The vocals are very distorted and they sound they sound angry, to be frank. Um, but one of the reasons why I love August Burns Red so much, and the same can't be said of Between the Buried and Me, but August Burns Red for sure, uh, they're basically a Christian band. There are members of the group that are Christian, and if you read their lyrics of a number of their songs, most notably Salt and Light, um, they're very much Christian. They're speaking from a Christian point of view. But yet, you hear that music, and if that music's not appealing to you, I've heard people ask me why I listen to that devil worshiper music. And I open the lyrics, and I show them, and I'm like, just because it sounds a certain way, doesn't mean your assumptions are correct in no way is this devil worshiping at all in fact it's praise jesus metal through and through so that just ties in with that lie and that judgment that we have that issue of judgment that we have to believe these things uh, when they come about the second little story that i'll tell is is wells crowther as i mentioned before and i hope i'm pronouncing the name correctly i just learned of this story yesterday and 9-11 is on my heart big time. I'm not sure why in 2023 it's hitting me harder than in previous years, but it, it it's really hitting me hard. And I have watched a ton of documentaries the last few days and YouTube clips and whatnot on what transpired. And just the thought of what the people on those planes were thinking, especially United 93, as they decided to take the plane back over and then it crashed in Pennsylvania. 
but just moments before impacting the Pentagon or either of the Twin Towers, what those people in those planes must have been thinking. Um, hopefully they were oblivious and they had no idea. I, I don't know. Hopefully they were in the midst of prayer. It's really difficult for me to, to grasp, but it, there's some beautiful stories that come out of it. And, and one of those stories is United 93 and the people that fought back and how many lives they saved um, by doing so. Uh, but last night I heard about Wells Crowther and his story is absolutely amazing. You can look up the man in the red bandana. Um, but here's a man who I believe was on the 105th floor of the uh, South Tower, which is the second tower to be hit. And after the first tower was hit, he descended and made it all the way to like the 75th floor. And uh, I'm sure there's nuances of the story that I'm getting incorrect, but the the important points and the gist of it are here. And then the second plane collided, taking out 20 some odd floors, beginning at the 77th floor. And so he missed it by two floors. And at that time he elected uh, with all the smoke and everything else to put on this red bandana. And, and I'll save the story for you. You can look up the significance of that red bandana. Because um, it wasn't just because he happened to have it on and it would help him with uh, protecting his respiratory system. But there was significance to that bandana based on his life. But he chose to go up and see who he could help. And he was able to help a number of people and get down. And he made three separate trips trying to get people. And there was an estimate of 18 people that survived from that zone where uh, the airplane hit. Um, above which point was basically a passable and those people did didn't make it but in that zone there was 18 people that survived and he's credited with saving 10 of them and in his third and final trip after he gets those people down below the 77th floor 75th floor whatever it was to make sure that they're out of the smoke and they can continue descending the stairs themselves uh, he decides to go up one more time and uh, in the midst of his journey back up, he, the, the tower collapses. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, I have that part incorrect. As the story goes, he makes a final trip, and he is, I think, taking one more group down, and they make it down to the very bottom floor. And when they make it down to the first floor, the tower collapses. And so he had he made the decision to leave one trip earlier, he would have saved himself. Uh, but he made the cognitive decision, and his family respects the decision, um, to save as many people as he could get a hold of. And it ended up costing him his life. And this man was a recent graduate of Boston College. Uh, he was 24 years old. So, pretty incredible decision, and what a hero, uh, as we remember 9-11. And so, uh, as we talk about the Beatitudes, as we talk about those that truly serve others and are more interested in others achievements than themselves uh, it sounds to me like wells crowther was a phenomenal example of that so happy to share that story and and encourage you to, to look that up there's documentaries on him and a lot of information that's on the internet some foundations that have been set up for him and, and whatnot Speaking of the internet, you can find us at erratphysiology.com. We are completely self-sponsored. You don't hear any ads when you listen to our shows. 
whether it be biblical anatomy on Mondays or discipleship conditioning on Wednesdays. And we do that because we're listeners of podcasts too, and we don't really like it when we listen to a podcast that's full of ads, especially when they're random in nature and don't really seem to be applicable to the show or anything that I, as the listener, need. So we take that perspective. But as we close in on nine months, almost a year of doing discipleship conditioning and now just starting biblical anatomy, this isn't something that doesn't cost us anything financially. We do pay to have these shows available to you for free. And tips and referrals would be very appreciated at this point. Um, If you are encouraged by our show, if you're interested in future shows, whether it be discipleship conditioning or biblical anatomy or both, um, think of it like delivering a pizza. I certainly tip the pizza guy when he shows up. And so we have a link set up in our show description for tips um, that you can support us for either show that you want to support. And they're simple increments of a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars. And that would really mean a lot to us if you'd be willing to do that. So we have all that set up so that it's ready to go. Again, it's not all about the money. And so if you want to help, but you can't help financially, a referral to somebody that would be interested in what we have going on would be even more valuable than the money because we'd rather impact another listener than have some financial gain from this. Now, eventually this does need to be full-time income for us. And so we are headed in that direction, but that occurs two ways with referrals, with donations, um, and I guess even a third way with ratings, because the more ratings we have, the more we're broadcast out there. So uh, we, we are asking for those things today, as uncomfortable as that is for me to ask you for that favor. Uh, if you don't feel that the show is helpful, we would love to hear an email from you and some feedback. But if you do feel the show is helpful to you, we'd ask for your support in some way. Take home message is, do we follow everything in the Bible or only what we select? This is a huge pet peeve of mine, but it really shouldn't be because I'm in the ballpark too. I need to further sink my teeth into the word and find out some of the questions that I've mentioned earlier. What has been fulfilled? What is to be fulfilled? And uh, I certainly don't ever read the Bible thinking it is anything less than truth. And when I read the Bible, I want to make sure that I'm adhering to everything that's written within it, which is a tall task. It's a lifelong task. So while I'm still ignorant in many ways, I approach everything as a heart issue and I make sure my heart is pure in the situation. And as I learn things that I understood incorrectly, I humbly acknowledge that change them and maintain that purity of heart uh, that my heart is in the right place so i hope the same for you i hope there's been something that you've been able to pull from today that'll encourage bible study for you and let's conclude as we always do with the lord's prayer pray then like this our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.